Hello and welcome to Music Speaks. This is the podcast that is dedicated to how music impacts people's lives. For the show, we usually have two co-hosts, myself, Hunter Sagona, and Sean Rimkunas, who is across from me virtually, so not really across, more like across the town. Sean and I believe that many people have a playlist that make their life unique through music. We pride ourselves on building upon our musical knowledge with our featured guests, jamming to incredible music, talking about a wide variety of artists and composers, and everything in between. Here is a musical quote for today. The most exciting rhythms seem unexpected and complex. The most beautiful melodies seem simple and inevitable. W.H. Auden. So today's guest is Julie Dombrowski. Julie Dombrowski is a New York City-based trombonist and music educator. Originally from Ontario, New York, she moved to New York City in 2008 to pursue her Master of Music at the Manhattan School of Music, studying with Colin Williams of the New York Philharmonic. Since moving to NYC, Julie has performed with the City Lyric Opera, the Montclair Orchestra, EGA Litarian, and is the low brass sectional coach for the Fordham University Orchestra. Julie is an active chamber musician, performing regularly with her NYC brass quintet, Subtle Cheetah, since 2019. Subtle Cheetah's mission is to promote all genres of music while providing a platform for underrepresented voices to be heard. This past winter in 2020, the ensemble performed their inaugural call for scores concert premiering three new works for Brass Quintet written by female composers. This project was graciously funded by the Marin Alsop Family Foundation. As an educator, Julie brings her passion to private students as well as being the low brass education specialist at the New York State Summer School of the Arts Orchestral Studies. Julie was also the guest masterclass artist for Ithaca College's Trombone Day in 2020. As a pit musician, Julie has performed various shows, including Newsies, The Drowsy Chaperone, La Cage a la Al Follies, uh, Saturday Night Fever, Cabaret, Fiorello, Crazy For You, Mary Poppins, Secret Garden, The Wizard of Oz, A Chorus Line, and Little Women in Concert. She has performed with the Cortland Repertory Theater Company and the Riverdale Y Music. Julie holds a Master of Music from the Manhattan School of Music in 2020 and a Bachelor of Music from Ithaca College in 2018. Her primary instructors include Colin Williams, David Finlayson, Jeffrey Gray, and Dr. Harold Reynolds. Throughout her studies, she was the recipient of the Elaine and Stephen Stamus New York Philharmonic Scholarship, the Winifred Buick Scholarship, the Alan Treeman Scholarship, and the Colonel G. Howard Music Scholarship. Well, after that impressive resume, Sean, how do you know Julie? I knew her from when we went to Ithaca College together. So she did not mention in her bio that we were in a uh, quintet. No, I'm kidding. It was a very small quintet. Um, But yes, we played in a quintet together. She was amazing. She was great. She was so passionate about her studies. Um, Honestly, if I could sort of pick someone who rose to the top very quickly from from her freshman year to her senior year, I would say Julie Dombrowski. She was amazing. She is an amazing musician, and I am just astonished that she said yes to this student project again, um, as I am with all our guests. But she is a quite the sought-after musician right now, so I'm so excited to talk to her today. 
Well, that's quite the ringing endorsement. So having said that, then let's meet Julie. All right. Hey, Julie, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. It's great to have you here. Uh, I was just telling Hunter, I was telling you, uh, telling him the glowing review that I have of you. I was telling, or even telling you, I was like, 2020, Julie, here we go, right? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Let's get right into it. Uh, we're going to talk about um, how to stay inspired right now during the pandemic. Um, and I think Hunter has the first question. So Hunter, take it away. Yeah, so I mean, you know, as a lot of musicians, particularly composers, but also performers, um, you know, they find it, it's a very under understandably, I don't want to say depressing time, but it, it, it's a very discouraging time. And so how do you find a way to stay inspired and motivated during this like ridiculous 2020? Well, I'd like to start off by saying that I've definitely had points where I don't feel motivated. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we've all been there during this pandemic. But um, I found a few different ways to uh, keep it, keep my playing going. Um, one of them is I've been saying yes to pretty much everything that comes my way. Uh, I keep myself busy with these projects, even um, if they're just, you know, to create something with friends or I've met some new people just uh, via the internet. Um, I've worked on some musical theater projects. I've done some chamber music, orchestra. I've just liked to do it all. And um, it's been kind of a exciting part of the pandemic to see this transition to a lot more um, online performance. Um, but I definitely still miss the live aspect of it. Um, that kind of ties into another thing I've been doing is just um, making sure to surround yourself with other people who um, are working on projects and want to get together. And if you don't know anybody, try and find those people. Um, one of the, I was fortunate in quarantine to just be quarantined with um, my partner who is also a musician. So we kind of partnered off of each other uh, motivating each other to, um, we created a video series and um, at night instead of watching Netflix, which we did plenty of nights, we'd just be like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's make some music or do something else. Um, yeah, so probably, find, oh, go ahead. Find those people as, um, who want to create things. Mm -hmm. I feel like that sort of, you know, it can be applicable to even non-pandemic times, right? It, it's important that the people you surround yourself with share similar motivations. Otherwise, you know, it can be that much harder to, I don't want to say stay focused, but to, to keep going because maybe they have other ideas of what they want to do, what else could be productive. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't want to be productive, you know? So I feel like that's a really important point to have. Yeah, and the creative energy um, when you have somebody else to share it with, um, it normally goes a lot further. And it's great that you guys um, partner doing this podcast. I'm sure you find that a lot, um, keeping each other motivated and also just creating new ideas together easier because you can kind of bounce it off of each other. Yeah, you know, communication is, is sort of paramount. I don't know, uh, do you and your partner live together? Um, we don't, but he was during quarantine. Okay, so that was going to be my question was, especially if you are... Um, I don't want to use this word, but it has a, a negative connotation to it, but I mean it in a positive way. But if you're confined with someone 
for a long period of time, you know, sometimes that can even help creative processes because you have time to sort of work out the various parts of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that probably made it just a, a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, did you have something else? Well, um, it was with, yeah, my boyfriend, but then also um, through, I mean, the internet's great. Through social media, mm -hmm. I met some other people and I found a group of girls who were interested in starting a busking group. And granted, this is a little bit later into the pandemic, more like August when um, playing outside was coming back into play. And somebody just posted on Facebook, like, hey, I'm trying to start a New York City busking group. And um, there's about 10 of us girls now that go and we play out in parks and just we've kind of created this group and surrounding yourself with those kind of people who want to start something new is really exciting during this time because everything is new that we're doing. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's definitely true. It's certainly uncharted waters and, you know, uncharted waters in mind. Sean, I know you have a question that sort of deals with this going on. Sure. So, uh, Julie, my next question sort of deals around being a lazy musician because, uh, <laughs> like, as you were saying, I've, I've definitely fallen in this trap before. Um, so what do you say to those lazy musicians who feel like there really are not a lot of opportunities? Uh, what options do you tell them to look for or to look into during this pandemic? You said lazy, right? Yeah, I did. Yes. Okay. Um, That, that's a tough one. I, I don't think you can be lazy during this time. Um, and I think that stems from having discipline. You, you might be lazy in the sense that you might not always be motivated to pick up your horn every day, but it'll be discipline that will get you to pick up your horn every day and continue through it. I mean, I think a lot of people have days where they're not necessarily motivated to play. Um, but it's, and the lazy people might have more days that they're not motivated to play, but if you have discipline and you make that a priority, then I think that's what's gonna help you stick with it and hold yourself accountable. Right, no, I, I think that's a great sentiment too, because um, I know there were times where I was just like, it's the pandemic. I just want to watch Netflix, but I knew that keeping an eye on something I needed to do, like practice, get ready for a virtual recital was something that I wanted to do. And I think maybe you, you can maybe talk about this too, but maybe having a priority for something to get prepared for. What would you, what do you, would you say about that? Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of sounds harsh, you know, you're saying, Oh, you have to be disciplined, but that is something that I definitely, um, hold myself to that high standard of discipline. Um, and there's, when I wasn't feeling motivated, I still, um, my priority during the pandemic was to always make sure I got my warm up in. And there was very few days actually during the whole pandemic that I didn't at least pick up my horn and play my warm up because I knew that I needed to at least maintain. And then on days that I could improve and work on other things, that was an extra bonus. So yeah, my priority is definitely my warm up. I always make sure, and actually it's gotten shorter during the pandemic. It used to be a full hour. I'd have to play a full hour every morning and now it's about a half an hour. I've kind of condensed things and if I get that half an hour in, um, but most days I try and still play more. Right, yeah. 
So let's let's tag this next question. Um, if you were going to give a speech to those musicians out there who felt like, what am I supposed to do? I mean, like there are no public performances, there are no you know indoor you know concerts. What would you say to those musicians to inspire them to say, you know what, things are going to be okay, things are going to go back to normal? Because we've had a guest on who's been like oh my God, things are never going to be the same. I mean, we're always going to have to be taking our temperatures and we go into, I mean, you know, like con concert halls from now on. But there is going to be a time where things do get back to normal. I mean, hopefully. I mean, you don't know with 2020. But in that same sort of vein, I think there's a great sort of like, um, sort of silver lining. And we'll talk about that later with um, being, you know, a musician during the pandemic. But um what would you say to those musicians? What would you use as a rallying cry? Um, I think embrace the change. You know, this is your opportunity to learn something new. We've been given the gift of time, which I know before the pandemic, I had very little of. I was doing 14, 16 hours a day, every day, especially with an hour and a half commute that I had. It was literally wake oh, up, go, wake up, go. Um, you know, and then I'd be at school or running around New York City and then I'd come back, I'd go to bed and I'd do it the next day. Um, so I definitely look at it as like, a, this is your chance to, you know, learn something new and how can you incorporate that and improve the music scene? Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be solely on your instrument either. Um, I know personally, I've taken this time to learn some graphic design and I've been designing websites and I've started designing logos and I would never have even, first of all, considered myself computer savvy enough to do something like that, but then also um, just to have any visual arts. But now I've been able to incorporate that into some of the music things um, I've done. And um, my next video series is hopefully gonna incorporate some more visual arts and it'll enhance the music. So get out there and try something new. And um, yeah, this is how you, this is your time to grow. And speaking of trying something new, what is something that you feel like you had sort of like, when you started quarantining, what's something that you didn't expect to do? Like what is something that became like a hobby for you? Well, as I mentioned, yeah, the website designing, like I was, I made it, it started off as just, I was going to design my own personal website. Um, which I did and I got a pretty good response from people on it. And some people even said like, Hey, would you help me with mine? And um, I helped a few friends and now I've kind of uh, started my own side business. No, I have started my own side business. I'm always <laughs> too. Uh, um, yeah. So I've started this business uh, designing websites for people and um, that's something I never would have seen myself doing. And actually when I was working on websites at first, it almost kind of scared me. Cause I was like, I kind of like doing this as much as I like playing trombone. There's nothing that I've ever done before that I get done. And I'm like, I just want to keep doing that like trombone. So, but then I learned that, you know, I can do both. It's not that I'm giving up trombone to design websites. I'm incorporating both into my time because I have more time now. <laughs> right. This may be a vague question and you can just say no to this answer if you feel like there's none. Have you found a connection between your trombone playing and your website making? Uh, yeah, 
yes. More of the graphic design element of it. Websites is what got me interested in graphic design. And then I've been uh, taking online classes and watching a lot of videos. And then graphic design, I think, is more been geared towards trombone playing. And just, it's another way to be creative. I guess that's how websites could even relate to trombone. It's another creative um, activity that doesn't involve necessarily playing trombone and it still uh, uses that same kind of thought process. Right, right. Uh, Hunter has another question for you, so I'll pop it over to him. Yeah, so this one, you know, it's, it's sort of an extension of what you were talking about earlier. Um, what's something that you've seen that someone else has done during the quarantine that you thought was like really well done or, you know, it, it was really great when you were seeing it in relation to, I, I guess you could make it about music or anything where you thought, gee, that's a good idea. How creative were they? Um, you know, there was, uh, I can't remember who did it. There was one, I, I enjoy funny things. And if you watched any of my quarantine series that I did over um, the pandemic, it's normal, most of them are funny. So another funny video of somebody else's that stuck out to me, um, I think, oh, I wish I could look it up. Uh, he was doing like a, he was making fun of the recording industry and what it's like to be a studio artist. And, but he also played spectacular like his playing was flawless so it made it even more enjoyable because you were listening to this great playing but then he added this funny and comical element that was clearly scripted um yeah but i can't remember who did it <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay you know sometimes you need that that laugh and uh sometimes even just thinking about it again is, is as funny as watching it the first time um but you never know you know i'm always curious to see because you know, obviously people are spending so much time online because I mean you know other than maybe practicing or uh, actual performances what else you know reading you you know you could do a lot of reading or drawing but most people's lives are sort of consumed with the computer so I'm always curious to see what people happen across while they're surfing the web or while they're just sort of meandering around um, so I believe Sean has one more question before we take a break so I will kick it back to Sean so I know that you've been doing a lot of recording. Um, what has that been like? And how has it sort of affected your, your playing or how has it sort of affected your mindset around performing? Well, I am very fortunate that my partner, he is, he is an audio engineer. So um, oh, that's he, helpful. he takes care of a lot of the technical side for me and I haven't had to get too adventurous with which microphone to use or how, what should the, see I don't even know the input be or anything because he just does he does most of it for me I have to say I've done quite a few projects where I have my own little sure mic that just attaches into my phone and that's kind of manageable for me and I send it off to whoever's mixing those projects but anything that we've mixed uh, that's all goes to him and um, but I have learned you know in the recording it's definitely different than live uh, and I've definitely gotten quicker at it like it used to take me a couple days to get a good recording to send off to somebody and I don't think it's because I'm getting any less picky it's just um trying to do it's, it's a different mindset because you know that you have unlimited takes but you don't want to use those unlimited takes you want to get it in you know five tries ideally 
Um, so it's definitely a learning curve and I can't say there was one pivotal thing that I did that made it go quicker, but just doing it enough eventually over time, I've definitely gotten I'll, in one day I'll sit down to record and by the end of the day, I'll have a recording good enough to send off to somebody. And it probably is a lot to do that, you know, you're listening to yourself back. I mean, how many times in school do teachers say, record yourself and listen back. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I did that an adequate amount of times, but you know, it's nothing like when you're in a pandemic and that's all you're doing is recording yourself. So it definitely has helped that in that way. I do have one more question, Julie, if you don't mind. Um, being recorded can be such a very um, troubling aspect for some musicians because I know some musicians that are like, I don't want to listen to myself, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that can sort of be troubling because then you're not really like, you know how you sound, but you can't really like listen to how other people listen to how you sound. So there's that, that effect that you don't really get when you, when you do something like that. So when you do something like that, what was your sort of reaction to, to doing it on your own? Did you have that gut reaction being like, oh, I don't want to listen to that? Or did you have the reaction of being like, oh, I want to do this. I want to sort of listen back and try to figure out what's going on. Yeah. I can't say I'm ever really excited listening back to myself, especially like an unedited version or anything. Like, you know, I think everybody's just kind of like, okay, I should listen back to this and see if I'm in tune or did I really, did that articulation really sound the way I thought it did? Oh, it did. So, um, yeah, I can't say I get excited about listening back to myself. It's kind of like hearing yourself talk when you get yourself recording. You're like, oh my God, people. It's literally the worst yeah <laughs> people listen to me and i sound like that all the time uh but yeah i think it's just you know because it is a part of our life now you just kind of have to get used to it and you have to do it and you should have been doing it beforehand but now you really should be doing it <laughs> and that is totally okay i totally <laughs> understand that and hunter always says that about his voice but i always love his voice so. <laughs> oh dear god <laughs> All right, Julia, we're going to take a break. Um, but I do want to mention to our listeners that we are on Twitter, we are on Instagram, we are on Facebook. If you want to look us up on Twitter, we are at MusicSpeaks underscore pod. We are MusicSpeaks underscore podcasts on Instagram and MusicSpeaks podcast on Facebook. Go check us out. Uh, we're going to hear a word from our friends at Ballot Ready. Go vote, period. And uh, Julie will be right back. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. Go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choices to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters. Make sure you have a plan to vote and vote informed. This year, with changes to polling places and vote by mail laws as a result of COVID, it's more important than ever to have a plan to vote. Local elected officials affect our lives every day. They decide who to prosecute, monitor the quality of our drinking water, and choose the leadership of our schools. 30% of voters take the time to vote and then leave some part of their ballot blank. 
This is a missed opportunity to choose the leaders of our communities. It's okay if you're unfamiliar with some of the more local positions. We recommend hosting a ballot party. Get together with friends over Zoom, split up the research, and go through your ballots together. So please go to BallotReady.org and enter your address to make a plan to vote and vote informed. All right. All right, and we are back with Julie. And, you know, diving a little more into the specifics of the, the music world before we talk about current, uh, you know, your current musical happenings during the last couple of years, um, or rather the last couple of months, I want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff in your bio, which is I noticed you do a lot of, uh, or you have done a lot of theater work. And I'm always interested to hear from people who have played in the pits for various shows. I mean, I did the pits for all of our high school shows um, and a couple of local productions because I, I love the theater. I'm not a stage man, meaning you'll never find me up there. But I, you know, I, I really enjoy playing in the pit. And I just like musical theater in general. You know, I think some of the best music out there is from the theater. Um, I'm curious, you know, in your bio, it mentions you've played for the Newsies, Drowsy Chaperone, La Cajo Faux, Saturday Night Fever, Cabaret, Fiorello, um, Crazy For You, Mary Poppins, Secret Garden, Wizard of Oz, Chorus Line, and Little Women. So I don't know if there was anything missing from that that you know off the top of your head, but I'm curious as to what was your favorite show to play in? Um, I think my top two shows were Newsies and Cabaret. Newsies, I was fortunate to play for a whole month, actually, a couple summers ago with Cortland Repertory Theater. Hmm. And that's just a fun book for a trombone. And there was never, you know, those really long gaps that you're just like sitting there and waiting for dialogue to mm -hmm. buy. So that was, um, yeah, and all the songs are just a ton of fun. And um, cabaret that is also a cool experience um, I did that at Ithaca College and then also at MSM so I got to play that show twice and at Ithaca it was really special too because we actually got to be on stage because there was the cabaret yeah. band on stage so we even did a little dance and <laughs> it was kind of cool you just got to act like the trombonist and um, I feel like I can do that pretty well and <laughs> <laughs> I think I nailed the part and um yeah, so those were probably two of my favorite experiences. Both great books to play. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to say Cabaret. It's funny you mentioned it because I was going to say often Cabaret does with the band on stage. So it's, it's cool you got to do that. Um, was there any show that you played where you were like, nah, not feeling this? Or I wouldn't do it again? Um, I don't know if it was necessarily the shows themselves but you know every once in a while there might be a production that's a little bit more difficult to work in and mm -hmm. um yeah no I can't say there's a show that I'm like no I never want to play that again <laughs> I'll mm -hmm. play it all again yeah very cool because looking at the ones the only one that I know I've played out of the, those you have listed is crazy for you which Sean and I actually both played in the pit for at our high school um and of course you know all the all the music in that is, is very, uh, very typical musical theater of that era, even though it was a, a later made show. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I really liked playing Hello, Dolly. That was fun. Um, so yeah, so with that being said, you know, a little bit about your, your past. So we'll move on to your present right now. It's like the ghost of Christmas past. 
That's me. And Sean is the ghost of Christmas present. Nice. So take it away, Sean. Oh, man. You lumping me with 2020, man. Jesus. All right. Uh, let's talk about this. Um, what is practical? Look, our bell. Or even the, to- the bell tolls for those who wait. Um, what is practical uh, and what is available right now due to what is going on with public performance? Like, what can you do? Like, what is socially acceptable? Get a chamber group. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I don't really foresee orchestras coming into back into play anytime soon. Um, But I am a part of a brass quintet. We're called Subtle Cheetah Brass. And we we were formed before the pandemic. And we had actually just performed our first inaugural Call for Scores concert in February. And it was one of my last performances, um, major performances right before uh, COVID hit and we've been able to continue on doing stuff. We kind of wrapped that project up by, uh, showing our recordings. And now we have, um, started fundraising for our next call for scores. And we do pop-up concerts in the parks, um, once a week. Um, and I, we are fortunate to be in New York city where something like that is possible, where we can just go play in the parks and start fun, uh, fundraising, Um, And I'm also doing a similar thing with another group. We're called New Heights Brass Band. Um, We play all your favorite pop tunes, our covers of them. And we are a all female um, brass band. And this group was formed to give underrepresented voices in the brass world um, a chance to play. So we are open to anybody um, female identifying or um, nine non-binary trans um, give everybody a chance to play and it's a very comfortable environment and that group has become one of the more enjoyable parts of um, playing for me in New York and we've uh, kind of taken it to the next level we started just playing in Washington Square Park but now we um, play for all the outdoor seating and we go around Uh, We walk the streets for like three hours and we stop at each of the restaurants. And I have to say that has become like a substantial income for most of us. Um, And it's been a cool opportunity to bring music to people while they're eating. Most people enjoy it. Some people look really shocked. Like what is happening? Why are there six brass players playing right at me right now as I'm eating my spaghetti? But um, (laughs) yeah, so those are the two main playing things you know they're both smaller groups and we all are very conscious conscientious of wearing masks because we are in the performing arts and we know we need this to go away for us to like fully have our careers back so everybody you know keeps their distance wears masks and we do our best to keep our distance from the public and yeah and hopefully bring them some music while we're at it right right and congratulations on on that initiative i'm really happy that you're able to to do that and, and bring that to the public. So, so thank you for, for, for talking about that. Um, I, do, I do want to talk about um, how it will impact future import, in performances. Um, so it, it's obviously a yes question. Do you think the pandemic will affect future performances? And uh, if you don't mind me asking why? How future, like 2021 or like 2030? How about 2030? 2030? Um, I think we're gonna look at, I think we're gonna have more, actually more 
opportunities. Um, we've kind of created this new like traveling, it's a whole like traveling brass band scene. Now we run into other groups doing the same thing, going to restaurants. And that was something that never existed before. It was just, you had to get hired by a bar to play a gig. And this is a whole new opportunity for musicians. Um, so that's one avenue and also just playing outside in live concerts. I feel like most orchestras and stuff, you know, they didn't, they don't really have seasons in the summer. Some do, but they're not as full as winter, but that is now kind of turning into the prime season for playing because we can play outside and um, outside venues could possibly stick. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not the know all for this whole topic, but you know, it, my thoughts are, you know, I think outdoor venues are going to probably stick around and be like, just like the outdoor dining in New York city. Um, uh, de Blasio made that a full-time thing, even past next year. It's a permanent thing where I don't know if you guys are familiar, the restaurants, they are able to expand into the parking spots and put tables on the sidewalk. So that's what I'm talking about with outdoor dining is that. Oh, really? I chairs, didn't realize that. All the chairs and everybody's eating outside and it's really a cool environment and atmosphere. Um, and it's kind of transforming the nightlife of New York City. And I think it'll kind of do the same for music. So Julie, I know there's a lot of negativity out there right now, especially with 2020, but if we could really pull out a silver lining in what's going on right now, what would you say it would be? I think it's just new opportunities. It's your chance to, you know, I like to, I just graduated in May. So I like to think of it as if I can get through this, there's nothing else in my career that will, you know, be any harder than this, I would hope. <laughs> um, right. So, or at least I hope there's not any worse economic period <laughs> in my career. So, wood. yeah. <laughs> so I would like to think that, you know, this is our time to get creative and transform and fix all the problems that were wrong with the industry, not maybe not all of them, but fix a few of the problems that were wrong with the industry. And um, yeah, and, and, take a new avenue with it right and something that you did say right before we took a break was embrace the change and that's such a powerful message too to think about because you were saying that when we do this then we're able to move on and try to find different ways of performing and that's what you've been doing which is a, definitely a, a a stereotype of a, of a successful musician adapt adapting to what's going on do you want to talk about that a little bit of being adapting to not just the pandemic, but being adapting to culture, adapting to different kinds of music that you're playing? Yeah, um, I have to say that was always a point that people would have when they come back and talk about how to be a freelancer is you have to be able to adapt. And somebody once told me that um, you have to be able to do something else than just play trombone if you want to freelance because there'll be a time when you're gonna to have to do something else. Little did I know that would be a month after graduating. But <laughs> out of the frying pan and into the fire. Yeah. Like we're in sort of like uh, like you were sort of pushed into the jungle of which is New York City, which is definitely a jungle. Um, yeah. How did you sort of begin to tame it? How did you sort of figure out what you wanted to do? Well, I always knew that I wanted to be a freelancer, and I knew that meant being able to play anything that came my way so I was 
just looking at what ways are there right now and it started with just you know recording a bunch of things in my bedroom and now it's kind of ventured out into um playing some live performances uh yeah, so I guess that does kind of come back to the adaptability and just being open to play as many things as there are opportunities. I know a lot of people in the classical world kind of get into this mindset of, I'm gonna play in an orchestra. Well, I don't think I'd be as motivated right now if I knew I had to wait for orchestras to come back, for somebody to leave a position, for me to audition for, to maybe get a job. Like that just seems, way too far down the line for me to even be excited about picking up my horn right now. So I think being open to play anything and everything is um, the best chance to make it through this hard time right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I like to say that we can use music to come together in this sort of really hard time. And, and you said it best, like you have these groups that come together and create these musical you know soundscapes musical you know areas for you to be creative i think that's such a great thing um and i, I do applaud you on that um i do want to give some time to hunter because i've been talking for a while i think it's time for hunter to hunter take it away no it's just one thing that i thought about while you were um oh look i closed your window and lost your faces um one thing i was thinking about while you were talking was you know you mentioned adaptability and you know my i'm i'm a, a teacher and uh my two majors are music and italian and uh we've talked about with a couple of people how the, the education field has been affected by um the pandemic because obviously you know everyone's been affected by the pandemic uh but the education field has had to find very uh, not even find different ways to adapt because everyone's sort of trying to adapt in similar ways but the key to survival is that that bleh, can't speak that adaptation you know what i mean and i feel like with if you don't embrace it which many people are not embracing it um because a lot of the people who've been doing it for years and years you know it's difficult it's not easy to take that next step to try these new methods and really get into it after you've been doing it for so many years um what would you say to them like those people who you know my mother she's 32 years a teacher so for her you know she's been doing a pretty good job she's been doing what she has to but a lot of her colleagues a lot of the colleagues i work with on day-to-day -day basis they've been doing it for over 20 years and they're just they're so discouraged with all of it and they're like i just don't see a way forward because i mean if i'm being honest hybrid learning is not successful um, but I'm curious as to what you would say to people maybe in the music field who feels, who feel that same way, what would be your advice? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, that brings up a good point. Like a lot of people, you know, they feel so bad for the people who graduated right now, but we do have one thing we have going for us is that we haven't done this before that we are, you know, we we knew it was going to be hard and we were going to, have to be trying a bunch of new things anyways. And if you, mm -hmm. when you get routines and you, you're so used to doing something having to change at the end of your career um, would be really challenging. And I can also relate my mother, she's a third grade teacher and she is retiring after this year. So she's yeah. been doing everything that 
not, not everything the same way, but um, definitely, you know, she has her routines and she's done everything in a classroom and to have it bring it online in the spring was uh, really challenging. And, but she, she started to enjoy and embrace the change. And um, she was actually just telling me the other week that she, uh, she has this platform where all of the papers and all the schedules are in the same place. And it was amazing to have that online. So I think just finding and showing the benef some benefits that there are with online and um, just with technology, I think can help, you know, just find a couple things in there that maybe make your life easier. And then it'll make you excited about that part and not dread the harder parts like the delay over zoom is hard for teaching with music mm -hmm. well yeah i mean that's just i couldn't even begin to like imagine the 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 band teachers who are in school trying to make adjustments and and trying to get kids to do things over a lot of them are doing like you know send me pre-recorded you know you doing scales or are you practicing this particular group of measures um in an in an effort to get them engaged but you know, synchronous learning is particularly difficult because like you said, the lag is just disastrous. And there's not really anything you can do about it because so many people are using it. So many people weren't equipped for it. You sort of just have to make do with what you have. Yeah, I think something that they can use as kind of like a positive in the music teaching world is that you can make your students listen to a metronome. You send them a click track and they have to play along with it. Um, yeah. It took me a few too many years to learn I should be playing with a metronome. So um, definitely as a younger student, and I don't know how many times my middle school and high school band teachers would tell me to play with a metronome and having click tracks and doing projects like that, possibly, um, I think students can learn a lot from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, and it's relatively easy now because, of course, everyone has a phone. And there's so many apps, metronomes, tuners, that are you know coincidentally not coincidentally i guess because they happened before this but they're available so there's really no reason why anyone couldn't have one so might as well use what you have yeah that's that's really all i have to say <laughs> so that was the end of my spiel sean anything you could think of or julie if there's anything you wanted to talk about that we haven't yes julie anything i think we about covered it all all right yeah well, Julie, I just wanted to mention really briefly before you get going here that um, I was mentioning to Hunter that you really found your way very quickly into Ithaca College. And I think um, uh, something that I really did like watching was seeing you go from concert band to immediately wind ensemble and then orchestra wind ensemble, something like that. Just because I knew you were that versatile, that quick. And I was like, that's 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 a really great sort of image of a really a musician who wants to get where she wants to get and i think that's something that i do attribute to you so i do want to thank you for being here and um i want to say that um throughout the time well we did have south hill brass together and we got to do um the one moment i did relish was when um thomas rashan the president of ithaca college walk up to us and say hello and get to know us a little bit um but that was and then and then the photo shoot afterwards was great but um i wanted to sort of remember that as a memory but 
Um, Julie, thank you so much for being here. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything you want to let us know that you're up to? No. Well, thank you so much for having me. And those are very kind words. And I do remember that moment as well. And that was great. It was a, it was a fun group. And it's glad we were able to give our recital there, junior year or something like that. Um, yeah, but no, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, best wishes with your endeavors with your podcast. All right, Julie. Thank you. I'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Julie. Next time, we'll sit down with Sean's friend and French hornist, Mary Haddix, and quiz her on some Harry Potter trivia. I'm Sean Ramkunis. And I'm Hunter Sagona, and see you next time. <laughs>